Welcome to the Silicon Valley Beat, a police podcast about law enforcement life in the heart of Silicon Valley. We've already said where we're from. Sharing stories, interviewing guests, answering questions, and pulling the curtain back one show at a time. Okay, okay, let's get on with it. Now, to 911, what is the address of the emergency? It is an aircraft. You are entering the national airspace system with all types of aircraft. Um, you kind of need to start thinking in that aviation standpoint. Um, no matter how easy uh, the aircraft is to fly, you're still going to enter. You're still going to be occupying the same airspace as other aircraft. In this episode of the Silicon Valley Beat, we are going to explore the use of unmanned aerial systems, commonly referred to as drones for municipal operations, specifically for the city of Mountain View, as well as for general public safety use. We are fortunate to have Special Agent Scott Harris of the FAA as our guest on this episode. Not only is Scott a special agent with the FAA, focusing on partnering with public safety entities throughout the state, he's also a licensed private pilot, aviation mechanic, and UAS operator. After listening to this episode, or any of our episodes, if you have any questions, please reach out to us on any of our social media channels. If you like what you hear, the greatest compliment you can give us is to rate us highly on iTunes. Enjoy. Welcome to the Silicon Valley Beat. I am Lieutenant Saul Jager. And I'm Katie Nelson. And today we have a special guest. We're going to be talking all things uh, unmanned aerial systems or drones with uh, Special Agent Scott Harris from the FAA. So, Scott, welcome. Hi, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. like we've already been talking for like 30 minutes. We have. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so we wanted to bring you in because um, Mountain View, the city of Mountain View, the, the city, not just the police department, is looking at uh, UAS technology for public safety and emergency services um, and even public works. The public works department has looked, f- um, shown interest as well. And uh, we've done a couple things to reach out to the community to talk about what we're going to be using this for and listening to um, issues and concerns and things from all around and talking to our uh, other agency partners all around the country, really. Um, we happen to have Alameda County, um, who the sheriff's department, who is one of the kind of the first uh, in, at least in California, I think kind of in the country to really kind of kick this thing off. They are. Um, and we've been working with them for for what seems like a decade now um, on kicking off our own program. And we wanted to bring you now that we're sort of getting closer in and the reality of this actually happening for us is is, is coming. Yeah. So welcome. Thank you for taking the trip all the way down here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, happy to uh, obviously talk about all things uh, UAS. Uh, we, you know, the way the code's written and, and in the FAA, we call them UAS, um, but drones. Um, we see a lot of municipalities. We see a lot of public safety agencies uh, utilizing this this new technology, these aircraft, uh, in their duties. So any any um, any chance we can get out and uh, talk about aviation safety, we certainly want to do that. Um, awesome. Well, why don't we why don't we start like at the beginning of time? <laughs> First, there was the Wright brothers, and then there were jets. Right? Isn't that how it worked? Yeah. No, okay. No. But the um, what is the difference between a let's just say like a, a a commercial grade or even a consumer grade drone people can purchase? Versus an air, like a regular aircraft, as people would say it. I'm air quoting like we're on video, but like an aircraft, like a plane. Well, by definition, um, and it's important because when you start talking about um, oversight or safety regulations Mm -hmm. and and how the industry is regulated, um, it's it's done by regulations and and code. And the definition of a UAS, um, you go to you know, online or you go to any electronic store and you buy one out of the box, 
that is by definition an aircraft. Just like Boeing, uh, when they're manufacturing a 737 to, to sell to an airline, um, the safety regulations um, and, and will deal with those types of operations, um, whether it's small drones or, or large commercial aircraft, there's going to be a set of, of, of uh, safety regulations. Um, but it's important to understand that all the regulations, they're talking about aircraft. Um, that is an aircraft. So a UAS, if it's uh, uh, all UAS, are, are aircraft. When a city gets into the business of um, using UAS for emergency operations, whatever that may be, they're actually operating, as far as the FAA is concerned, they're operating an aircraft. Correct. Yeah, and so there's rules and things that go around that, right? Right. So obviously um, there are um, county sheriffs or city police departments that have manned aircraft. They have helicopters. Right. And so they have an air unit. Um, that's an aircraft that they're operating. There's a set of specific for that type of operation, that aircraft, um, which is going to be different than an airliner. But there are a specific group of safety regulations, rules of the sky, that they have to follow. Uh, because, you know, it's an aircraft and they're in the NAS, the National Airspace System. Uh, same thing if, if a, a county sheriff or city P, uh, police department, they want to get a U.S. They want to get that aircraft. Well, there's a specific set of uh, safety regulations, obviously uh, set up for that specific operation. That operation is different than other aircraft operating in the NAS. But there is an overarching uh, rules of the sky, safety-oriented you know, rules of the sky that everybody has to follow. And each you know, aircraft type, uh, platform, uh, type of operation is going to have their set of regulations, and it's going to interweave with all the other regulations um, for the NAS. So let's talk a little bit about what those rules are. What if a city were to look at creating a UAS program? Correct. What would they have to follow through on? What would they have to sign documents? What codes would they have to abide by? What training would they need? Well, there's two different uh, types. So obviously, it's not recreational use. They're going to use it um, uh, to execute uh, their duties. Uh, so they're going to fall in one of two categories uh, that a police department. Um, they could operate under uh, 14 CFR Part 107, which is commercial uh, operation uh, of a drone. Uh, uh, think of uh, photographers, a wedding photographer. They want to get good aerial pictures, and they're, they're using a, a UAS to do that, a drone. And that's, so, that's the, um, when people say Part 107, that's correct. the full, what you're talking about, the full nomenclature of right. that title. Right. Okay. Yep. Um, uh, 14. Uh, Code of Federal Regulations, CFR, uh, yeah. uh, Part 107. So that's the group of safety regulations that are towards small UAS. Um, and so they would follow those rules just like anyone else that were, was using a drone or a UAS commercially. Um, certainly law enforcement, uh, fire department, any government agency can, can uh, follow those. Now, since they're a public aircraft or public agency, um, and there is U.S. Code defining all of that, um, they have the option of also doing a, a COA. What is a COA? You hear, there's certain terms people hear, they hear part 107, right. we covered that and what that means, but um, as far as COA, can you can you delve into that a little bit for what it means and the difference between 107 flights and COA flights and, and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, so um, with a 107, um, it's commercial operation. So obviously the uh, any, anyone uh, who wants to use their drone or use their UAS in furtherance of an enterprise, you know, use it commercially like a, a wedding photographer. They want to get good pictures. 
um, aerial type pictures for um, their uh, their their commercial use. Yeah. Um, it could be real estate agents. They're using mm-hmm. a uh, um, a drone that. to uh, um, photo the you know photograph the property, get good pictures of the property, and, and for marketing. So they're using that drone or UAS commercially. Uh, a government agency, um, whether it's a police department or um, fire department or any government agency, they they're, they're using it commercially as well. So they can uh, operate under um, uh, Part 107, and 107 stands for, or is kind of a short way of saying, 14 CFR Part 107. So there's different parts within 14 CFR of different types of operation. What is CFR? Uh, Code of Federal Regulation. Ah, okay. um, so. Um, for instance, 14 CFR Part 121 are what the major airlines fly under. So that's a, this, their set of safety regulations, their rules of the sky for their specific operation. Um, and and, and the, uh, there's different parts for different types of operation. For commercial UAS, it's 14 CFR Part 107. So um, you can operate under that. Uh, basically, go get a remote pilot certificate and everything with the training and, and certification of that, and then following th- that that set of regulations, that set of rules of the sky for that operation, you can operate a UAS. Um, now, for like a law enforcement agency or public uh, different public agencies, uh, they have uh, by code they can um, um, apply for and get a COA, and a COA is a certificate of authorization. Um, there may be certain, uh, of thinking of the rules of the sky, certain regulations. Because they're a, a, uh, a public agency and they want to operate, um, there may, they may need a, a waiver, a, kind of a COA is a longer term waiver, right. or some type of an authorization for a specific type of uh, operation or certificate, specific type of elements of flying that they want to do. So does that mean like flying at nighttime, flying in like an emergency situation? Would they have to outline that in this yes. COA? Okay. So there's an application process and they're, you're going to um, basically detail out uh, the type of operation and through that application process with the FAA, you would be issued a COA then. Thinking of the regulations, so part 107 or a COA is dealing with aviation safety. And so there the, the regulations and the COA is all going to be written for the, the operation, the flight operation of the aircraft. And so the FAA isn't going to um, basically give a waiver for anything that isn't within that scope. So as long as they're, like, if I'm understanding it right, um, a COA would be you're allowed to fly at night between these certain hours. You're allowed to fly over people, that, those kind of things. Not necessarily you can't do certain things with it, I think is what you're trying to yeah. get at, right? So like the action itself is not necessarily what FAA is regulating. It's more the safe operation of this with specific Correct. things. Correct. So, And yeah. so with the, you know, the FAA's authority and, and what we're um, going to look at it for is the safe operation of the aircraft right. within the NAS. Um, and so all the elements that, that are going to be addressed in the regulation, uh, whether it was Part 107, if you're going to operate under that, or if you were going to operate under a COA, all the elements are going to be um, directed towards safe operation, uh, aviation-related within the NAS. So would we have to do both, Saul, if we were to have a UAS program? We would have to have both the 107 and the COA in order to facilitate using a drone? So as far as I understand, it's a good thing we have the FAA here, but (laughs) let me make myself look funny. When I originally looked at this, I was told it's probably safer to do both. 
to have both have part 107 certified uh, pilots and operators uh, and observers and then also get a COA as well because you never know if we're going to be using the uh, the UAS for let's say filming something it's not a critical incident that doesn't fall under a COA necessarily if I'm if I'm understanding this right like if we're going to be filming a uh, a video for a, a public service announcement um, that's different than using it to during a SWAT operation where we're trying to understand the architecture of a building, you know, to be able to either enter it or whatever we're going to do. Um, very different missions, right? Require different things. My mm-hmm. understanding, right? Okay. Um, yes, and so yes. the definition. A plus, Saul. Yeah, it's it's getting into again the uh, definition of public aircraft, mm. and uh, the FAA. I mean, we have to um, obviously look at the elements of the uh, the U.S. Code and the CFRs, and that's what we can enforce. Um, and, and if we're going to give waivers and grant waivers for different types of operation, it still needs to be in accordance with any uh, code, any definitions within the code. And so you, you're, you're correct. You're getting in the different definition of a public aircraft versus a civil aircraft. I wonder how many people actually read, like, we obviously have to read it because, as you know, as we were talking about, we're a public entity going to be utilizing a UAS for a very specific set of circumstances. But for somebody who has, uh, who can just go and buy a drone anywhere, I wonder how many of them actually read the full code and understand the gravity essentially of what they have in their right. in their possession. I mean, I it's, it's like, <laughs> I don't think I would know at all if I, you know, if I were to purchase a drone, what rules and regulations I would need to follow as a as a private citizen, but as a public servant, we have to be very mindful of what you do and do not allow, um, either under Part 107 or with a COA, because like you like we talked about a little bit earlier, you're, there isn't a lot of wiggle room, right? Right. And so, if we were to, we can't we can't just on a whim go up and fly for however long. We have to use it based on what we have signed with the government saying, yes, this is the specific reason we're going to be using a drone, like let's say for a missing person or for a fire inspection or for a roof inspection with public works. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that I think the belief that this can that a UAS can be used just any old time is really not the case anymore. It's very specific. Can we get can we get into hob- like a hobbyist? You know, like right. say, you know, j- j- um, they buy, uh, parents buy their, uh, well, let's say an adult. Yeah, Christmas is coming up, Saul. Let's say I, <laughs> as, a, uh, as a person, an enthusiast, right. I'm not looking to make money, and I purchase a 123 ABC drone from wherever, and it's got capabilities just like anything else. It can go above 400 feet. It, it can do all these crazy things. What are my, as just a citizen using it as an enthusiast or a hobbyist, what, are, what is the FAA's concern with that? Well, I think any aircraft that's entering the NAS, so the National Aerospace System, are they going to um, are they are they going to do it safely? Right. Is their flight operation, the operation of, of any aircraft, um, not just their specific, but how also um, they're going to interact with other aircraft, um, and, and obviously proper separation, and it's all for the safety element. Proper separation. What does that mean? The from other aircraft. Okay, so is there like a certain distance that yes. they have to be from each other? Um, Who knew? There's a whole bunch of rules. <laughs> there's distance from clouds. There's distance from buildings. How do you measure a distance of, like, you don't know how far a cloud can go? 
I mean, could you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you start getting the other parts like we talked about earlier. Um, uh, and if you're visual line of uh, um, visual flight rules, yep, you have to stay away from from clouds yeah. and then separation for other aircraft. That's incredible. Stay we, away from clouds. As pilots, we can't really talk to you about it, Katie. Because <laughs> I'm such a it's such a whole an other average thing, you know? person. Yeah. But, but no, I like that, though, because also Mountain View is located in a very unique airspace, if you will. Because if you look at our map from when you were showing me and I was like, how are we even ever going to do this? It's got we've got Moffett, which is a federal airspace. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you've got San Jose yep. and then you've got Palo Alto. Like yep. nobody. And that's well, and a small you little. You also have the high end of SFO's area. Sure. Well. So it's literally complex. it's like this uh, smorgasbord of outlines for airspace. And so. Unlike maybe other cities, Mountain View, we would have to be very specific about like how far up we can go, where we can go, anything like that. Like, what is what is the height that a UAS can go for a public entity? How high up can they get in the air without touching any clouds? <laughs> the well, um, if you're going to fly under Part 107, it'll be 400 feet. Okay, but but <laughs> there's, but, a, there's a whole bunch of depends. yeah. That's that's. Um, uh, above ground, right? Mm -hmm. And so, obviously, uh, like Solid said, um, there's a but, and then you get into airspace, the different airspaces that you're in. Um, so, depending, obviously, you're close to an airport, um, and if they have Class Bravo or Class Charlie uh, airspace or Class Delta airspace, there, there's a procedure for that. You would probably wow. need to get a waiver to get in there. And so, mm -hmm. you start. It's not just um, uh, flying it at a certain height. Uh, you also have to look. They have to look at. Uh, airspace that's classifications right. that's uh, i was gonna say ridiculous but now i'm gonna rephrase and say that's bananas <laughs> yeah, there's a lot i mean there's a lot that goes into it it's much more you know and when, when when you look at it from the outside as a, as a community member looking into a police department saying why don't you guys have this yet or you know what are you going to do with yeah there it? was a lot of surprise that we didn't have uas right. already well even once we get the approval and then we have the faa's buy off and approval um and all of everything's still in place then it needs to be the team also then needs to be managed well, right? And all of the team members were requiring in Mountain View to be part 107 certified. Um, if anything, to understand ceiling heights, you know, all of the things, how to get notams and how to listen to a radio and mm -hmm. all these kind of things to talk to a tower um, that goes into this. Cause it's much more than like you said, like, Hey, let's just launch this thing and take a look at the roof. Yeah. Do we want to talk a little bit about training for a part 107 license? Like what that looks like and how you guys kind of came up with that training and how often you have to be recertified. Cause it's, um, it's a lot more than I think than people assume. It's kind of right. like being a doctor. <laughs> so to get a remote pilot certificate. So, um, I would point uh, everyone to the, our website. There's a lot, there's a, what is that website? Uh, it's fa.gov. So www.fa.gov. Um, you'll see a UAS tab. Click on the UAS tab, and you're going to uh, uh, get on the UAS page. And it's going to talk about the different types of operation, uh, recreational and then commercial. Uh, part 107, um, uh, talk about getting a remote pilot certificate mm -hmm. and, and what goes into that. So obviously it's a written test. Um, there's an initial, and then every two years you would have to uh, uh, renew, so to speak, or stay current. The, uh, Do you get a little like uh, card at the end that says that yes. you're certified with a number? Yes. Awesome. You'll get a certificate. You want one? Um, <laughs> oh, I have test anxiety. That's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah. um, and so uh, basically all the different elements of, of going in to be a remote, commercial remote pilot, um, you're going to be tested on that. 
And that's several hundred questions, right? It's not like a 50 question true or false, whatever. Like it's, they really test your knowledge and you have to study. You definitely have to study. I mean, it's, it's knowing the uh, safety regulations. It's understanding airspace. Um, weather. Weather. There's a whole, there's a whole <laughs> yeah. um, curriculum that you would, you would study and then uh, uh, take the test. It, I believe it's, I should know this off the top of my head, but yeah. it's, it's right around 45 questions that you would answer. But there's a test. bank of like probably I think Perfect. a thousand or something questions that could be asked. Um, and it's only, it's kind of like, I'm the, already starting to sweat. This sounds yeah, terrible. Making you nervous. <laughs> it's, it's kind of the way I describe it to people is it's, it's like the, um, cliff's note, cliff notes version of the pilot's test or the reader's digest version of the, an actual pilot's test. Um, it's kind of scaled way back. Right. But you still have to know airspace. You have to know, um, weather stuff blew me away. You have to know whether aeronautical maps, all these nope. kind of things that you need to, and, but they're important. That's the, that's, I think the biggest part is that, you know, the operations that public safety is going to be flying in, that's critically important that we know the rules and, um, what we can and can't do and what happens if there's violations of that and all of these kind of things. It's, it's critically important to the operation and safety of the airspace and the liability and safety for our people. How busy are you guys with um, working with cities, public, you know, public agencies on um, creating a viable UAS program and making sure that they're, you know, following everything they need to to ensure that they have a good program with good pilots? Like you, you said you do this a lot, you know, you do a lot of public speaking. How often are you out and about just training folks on what this is? Well, you know, doing the outreach with public safety agencies, um, uh, there's a lot of questions. Uh, there's a lot of agencies, uh, more and more and more. Um, uh, agencies are seeing the value of using a drone or UAS in, in, in the completion of their mission and in their duties. Uh, so you're seeing a lot of uh, agencies uh, develop programs. And so we're out, obviously, with outreach, um, letting them know the process. Um, as far as them setting up a program, um, obviously, uh, we're not advocating. We can't advocate. Um, we're just uh, making them aware of the safety regulations and what it entails, mm-hmm. uh, what they would have to comply with. Um, and obviously, with Part 107, uh, there's a lot of information on our website about getting a remote pilot certificate. Uh, once you have a remote pilot certificate, uh, obviously you can operate uh, an aircraft, um, purchase an aircraft, uh, make sure it's registered and then operate the aircraft, just like anyone would commercially. Uh, with a COA, it's a little bit more extensive as far as you would be applying for a COA. Mm-hmm. And so doing the outreach with that um, and, and kind of walking through that process. What we see a lot from, from agencies um, uh, of working together, an agency has already developed a UAS program um, and a policy. Uh, so you know, say it's a city police department. Uh, they're working with other uh, um, uh, city another police department and kind of mentoring through the uh the process of developing a policy and utilizing and how they're going to utilize um that aircraft that that um uh, tool in their duty and executing their duties um, that's something that that we're not getting into um, as far from an faa standpoint obviously we're aviation safety um but how they're going to use it and, and tactically and, and all of those things that's not something the FAA um, uh, gets involved with with any of the training or, or really anything like that. Uh, we do participate a little bit in the outreach of, of putting some people together. Mm-hmm. Um, there are agencies that, uh, um, like Alameda County uh, Sheriff, 
Um, they're very gracious with all their information, and they've helped a lot of agencies, um, not just uh, law enforcement, but fire uh, departments uh, across the country, and basically starting a program yeah. with some best practices and, and, and sharing some of their policy items and things like that. Sure. Yeah, um, there were a lot of lessons learned from, from uh, that team <laughs> right. for us. Can, can you talk a little bit about, um, about LEAP, like define that and... Because that's your that's your position there, right? And right. That's a. I don't think people understand that that's what that is and and what your role is and how that all helps. Right. So, so what is leap with the uh, uh, within the FA? Um, there's FA security, and uh, I'm I'm with FA security, and I'm in the leap program, so a law enforcement assistance program, and so there's a group. Uh, there's about 15 agents across the country, kind of spread out across the country. Um, each with an area of responsibility of with law enforcement agencies and public safety agencies within that area. Um, and we provide the outreach. Uh, there's obviously um, with law enforcement and public safety, they may or may not uh, have a lot of aviation knowledge. Um, so we're bridging that gap um, uh, between those federal, state, local, uh, tribal uh, law enforcement agencies and the FAA. What's the most common question that you get from law enforcement agencies about the UAS program. How do I start a program? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so, do you have templates that right, I can use? <laughs> right. The sheriff or the uh, um, chief of police or, or somebody had said, hey, I think we should start a program, lieutenant whomever or, or sergeant whomever or officer whomever. Go, go, go research that. How do we start a program? And all you get is help. <laughs> yeah. And so that initial contact. So we'll, there, obviously with outreach, um, there's a lot of information. We kind of have the same conversation that we're having now. Um, well, there's two different types of way you could, ways you could operate a, a drone, um, you know, part 107, or if you wanted to get a, a COA. Uh, and so I, I uh, hand out some information about that, um, kind of that uh, fact sheet, if you will, have that initial conversation, um, kind of of how the process works, and then a lot of times I'm putting, um, like I said, there's there's other agencies that already have a program, and they're more than help, more than uh, gracious with their information, and put that individual in contact with the point of contact of of, a, of another agency that already started a program, and obviously from a law enforcement standpoint or you know like a fire department like agencies, um, they can obviously talk about policy. Mm -hmm. and how they're going to utilize a UAS, what they can and they can't do with it from the tactical kind of policy standpoint. Um, we're not involved with that. So we're kind of putting those those um, agencies and people together. And then also there's a, uh, there's a lot of information um, for anyone, the general public or um, uh, public safety agencies on our website. There's a public safety toolkit. You can click on there, and there's a lot of information in there as well. And then put them... With webinars, there's a whole webinar series um, that has already happened and is still ongoing. All of that um, past webinars are on our website. They can click on that, and there's ones dedicated. There's a, a webinar dedicated to just this question. It's like you're a um, matchmaker. It's like here, yeah, <laughs> partner. For the, this person sounds good for you. Here you go. The liaison. And that's the liaison part, um, and it's all uh, in the uh, interest of aviation safety because the more informed you are. Um, the more informed operator you are uh, going to be of the aircraft in the NAS and, and uh, the, the safer operator that you're going to be. The more knowledge you have, the more safe you will be able to be um, within the NAS. And that is the, the whole goal of the FAA. So if we look at now, um, 
currently, like if you stay specific to Mountain View, <clears throat> what we're looking at using these things for is basically the eye in the sky kind of thing, right? From evidence collection to finding people, uh, fire department to use FLIR to find hotspots and these kind of things. Mm -hmm. That's right. really the, the main crux of this. Now, prior to us hitting record, we were talking about looking into the future. Um, where do you see UAS use uh, as far as the FAA is concerned for public safety five, 10, 15 years from now? Well, when, when you and I are both retired, right? Yeah, <laughs> and Katie's um, still here. Well, from an FAA standpoint, we see we we hear all the time, and this is a new emerging technology. There's a lot of excitement, yeah. and so there's a lot of developers, there's a lot of research, there's a lot of manufacturers um, pushing the envelope um, to what's the capability of this this device, this aircraft, and we've we've heard this, uh, and a lot of symposiums are opened. Um, obviously, the open remarks would be the administrator of the FAA and, and, or somebody pretty high up in the FAA. We're going to talk about drones throughout this week or today or however long the symposium or conference is. Um, the unified message always uh, with the FAA is um, when you're talking about the new development of a technology or an aircraft and what is it going to look like two years down the road, what's it going to look like five years down the road, um, we know that the technology is going to evolve. Um, what's important to know is, uh, from an FAA standpoint, we always look at how safe can you make the technology. Mm. Um, so you have a new aircraft, and it's going to be able to do these great things. It's going to be able to move incredibly fast. Yes, but how safe can you make this fast-moving aircraft? Or, you know, fill in the blank for whatever um, uh, type of, uh, of operation that it's going to be in the future. So as we see with law enforcement and public safety, this is a definitely a very useful tool that can be used for, in a lot of different ways for safety um, uh, and the, you know for fire firefighters for law enforcement uh, for search and rescue mm -hmm. uh, but how safe are you going to make it and so when you look to the future from an FAA standpoint um, I mean it's endless right I mean you, your imagination just starts um, going of well they could it could be used in this way it can be used in that way well, how is it going to be able to be used safely in that way in search and rescue? Um, beyond line of sight is something that, you know, is, is in the, in the, over the horizon at some point. Well, how safe is it going to be yeah. um, to do that? So, what, what exactly, just for, for everybody else, when you say beyond line of sight, I mean, obviously right. that's fairly clear, but what does that really mean technically for the FAA? Well, right now all the um, operational regulations is within line of sight for UAS. Um, there are some waivers and, and there is some research and test sites where they are working on beyond line of sight. Um, but basically, um, the operator is uh, on the ground operating the, the aircraft and they have to visually, um, kind of with the naked eye, they can't use binoculars <laughs> and so forth, right. but keep it in line of sight. And that is for uh, uh, traffic uh, avoidance. So what other aircraft are in its area and how can you avoid, you know, Yep. I wonder if that means that someday when you, like, let's say you're at a airport tower directing traffic in the air and you start seeing all these little dots, it'll be because they're going to be potentially UAS. Well, I can tell you right now that that's already happening. <laughs> and I, you know, even when you're flying uh, at least, you know, general aviation kind of stuff, you get warnings of that. There's a drone operation going and it's not long. It's a hobbyist, right? And they're just mm -hmm. up above somewhere. Um, but it's in a flight path that's commonly used by general aviation aircraft. So just like the little Cessnas and things that you see mm -hmm. flying around, and that's um, terrifying. 
to be honest with you. Yeah. Sure. Because those things cause a lot of problems. And the small single-engine aircraft have one propeller. Yeah. If that stops working. That's it. You're landing on a freeway. Right. Uh, well, and then also, you know, we've seen that with interference with wildfires, too. You oh, know? that's a huge one. That's a huge yeah. issue. And, yep. you know, again, it goes back to, as a public agency, city, fire, police, whatever, there are very specific things that we could potentially there's no guarantee that a UAS will be able to you be able to use even in ideal conditions right? right like we've talked about that um it's things are a little bit different for folks who just can go and buy one on the shelf like we would be beholden to a lot more uh potential ramifications yeah. if we were to go like we like we talked about outside of the COA with, you know it's interesting too with with that that brings up a good point as well is that you know the the um common misperception often of the way we use law and when i'm saying we i mean law enforcement specifically uses tools that we have available to us um is not necessarily always right you know and that can be anything any tool we Mm -hmm. use whether it be exterior vests that the officers wear to uh rakes that we use to break windows to bear cats and armored vehicles to drones and whatever else right um it's interesting when you start talking about these kind of things and the the uh, the actual use cases for it and when that would actually happen and the difference in the perception. I, I go back to the, the we had a missing person during Fourth of July we several did. years ago, and this is when we were sort of more internally publicly if that's a thing talking (laughs) about drones and things and everyone was excited that that would be a great opportunity for a drone right and as a as a pilot ish myself i was like no you don't want to be operating on fourth of july because there's things shooting at you from the sky you know i mean up to the sky right and if you're working at night with a FLIR and you have these hot burning things coming at you and it's not the ideal condition for right. for a search and rescue. What I think it's important to understand too is um, for the general public that um, there there are manned unit, law enforcement, um, there are air units, so they have helicopters. Uh, whether it's a city PD or a sheriff department, right. um, they are still working within a safety envelope. If they have a COA, um, they may be uh, granted a waiver to do something, but there will also be built in um, within that uh, waiver there's going to be mitigating elements to make it as safe as possible. And so I think maybe a misconception a little bit is, well, since they're law enforcement, they can do whatever they want. Right. And the COA is, okay, the FAA says, well, you're law enforcement here. Here's your COA. Go out and do whatever you want. That is not the case whatsoever. Right. Um, there is a set of, like we talked about earlier, uh, CFRs, and, and there's a set for each type of operation and aircraft. Um, obviously, type of operation aircraft for a uh, airliner, uh, Southwest Airlines or American Airlines, they're operating on a different part um, because there's a set of safety guidelines specific for that type of operation. Well, that is going to be a little bit different than Part 107 because it's different operations, different aircraft. But for a specific type of aircraft and operation, there is a set of safety guidelines. And ACOA doesn't give a blanket, well, go out and do whatever you want. Yeah, That's not correct. Um, there still is a... Uh, uh, rules of the sky that law enforcement or anyone under a COA um, would have to follow, just like anybody operating under under uh, Part 107. Um, there is a there may be a waiver of a certain type of uh, operation, um, but it is also going to be built in with some some mitigating some from a safety standpoint. How safe can that type of operation be made? Whether it's flying over people or flying at night and those types of things, or in, in certain airspace. Yep. Um, there's a lot that goes into that ACOA 
application, writing, and approval process. And all of it is rooted in how safe can that flight or that flight operation be within the NAS, not just in its specific operation, but also integration with any other aircraft in the NAS yep. or airspace. And that's the focus right there, yep. right? Safety, bottom line. Well, I think I, I could talk about this all day. Like, to me, <laughs> this sure went by could. very quickly, but... <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think that that really helps out a lot, and thank you. And there's a there's yeah, also thank you. A, there's an a, in addition to the faa.gov website that everybody should go check out and read and uh, educate themselves with that. There's also apps for the phone mm-hmm. uh, and a drone one that I think FAA actually um, I don't the before you fly correct is that FAA's actual yes. okay okay so Way before go, if you Saul. look up thank you I wasn't sure if it was like endorsed <laughs> by or actually like owned by but. Um, that one actually gives you some really good information about mm-hmm. where you are location-wise and uh, potential uh, obstacles and issues and things and ceiling heights and all of this stuff. Is it integrated with weather? Does it have a weather component? I don't believe so. So there's a bunch of weather com- weather apps and things you can look up to. You're really into weather today, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, it's important um, uh, on FA.gov, uh, there's a ton of information there yeah. for all types of operators whether it's a recreational, commercial, uh, public safety, educational. Um, When you click on uh, uh, the UAS page, there's just a ton of information. And when I'm out doing my outreach and presentations with law enforcement, uh, mostly, um, I I usually talk that, hey, this is a technology, there will be phases. Um, Mm -hmm. And so as as you'll see a lot of uh, notice of pros rulemaking happening and the rulemaking process, uh, with new CFRs, new safety CFRs, and the new, new U.S. code for various different things. Um, a great resource to kind of start uh, is FAA.gov and get on that UAS page, type of operation, uh, registering your, your drone, your aircraft. Right. If it's over yes. 0.55, 0.55 pounds, um, uh, up to 55 pounds, you gotta you have to register it in small UAS. Folks always ask, well, what happens if it's over 0.55 pounds? Then you start. You still have to register in it, but it's kind of registering with, with uh, larger manned aircraft. You're yeah. kind of in that category. But anyhow, uh, your UAS needs to be registered. Well, how do I do that? Go to fa.gov. Yeah. Get on the UAS page. It'll walk you through that. If you have questions of, no, okay, I'm recreational, but what air? What's this airspace? There's great resources on fa.gov. You can click on recreation, and it'll give you guidance on all the different types of operation. I think it's important to understand. For anyone, whether it's the uh, general public or a public agency, someone that isn't familiar um, with um, aircraft or UAS, it is an aircraft. You are entering the national airspace system right. with all types of aircraft. Um, you kind of need to start thinking in that aviation standpoint. Um, no matter how easy uh, the aircraft is to fly, you're still going to enter. You're still going to be occupying the same airspace as other aircraft. And so being as educated as possible, I mean, I've been in aviation for a long time, uh, um, my, my whole adult life uh, in a lot of different capacities. Um, there's a certain way that folks in aviation think, and it's, uh, it's a safety-oriented. And so kind of getting in that, that type of uh, uh, methodology and type of thinking is something that will help you no matter if you're from your, the, the recreational and you got it for Christmas and you just unboxed it and you want to go outside. Well, make sure you're thinking um, like aviators do, because the the technology will only change; it'll only get more advanced. And uh, but the airspace, we're all still, whether it's you know an airliner uh, flying from 
from uh, San Jose to uh, uh, Phoenix, uh, there's a certain set of safety rules and certain type of thinking that they think, uh, the, the way they think, and the same thing as, as you operating aircraft in the NAS. So you are an aviator. That's right. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think, I think that's good. Yeah. Um, again, FAA.gov for all your answers to everything, everything aviation related. Right. <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> Maybe start there with other things, but that's where we're at. And um if you have any questions about specifically about UAS, UAS operations, Mountain View specific stuff, um, hit us up on any one of our social channels um, and we'll be more than happy to respond yeah, or absolutely. Um, go from there. Um, and here's the little disclaimer part. Um, if you have an emergency, please call 911. Uh, if you uh, don't have an emergency and you need the police, you can call our non-emergency line, which is... 650-903-6344. And if you're not sure and you're debating, and you don't know if it's a non-emergency or a, an emergency, and if you should call which one. If you find yourself doing that, just call 911. We'll figure it out afterwards, and uh, we won't get mad at you, I promise. Um, no, and again, won't. follow us on all our channels. You can poke your computer and find us pretty much anywhere. That's right. Facebook, Twitter, Nextdoor, Instagram, and Snapchat. And uh, Scott, thank, thank you. you very much for coming all the way down. Yeah. I appreciate it. Until next time, guys. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.